title of this message is Forgiven Part 3. And we've been talking to you about David and Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. Splish splash. She was taking a bath. And um, David was standing on the balcony when he wasn't supposed to be standing on the balcony. He was supposed to be in the war zone fighting. He was there and he saw Bathsheba. And I said to you that we all have this problem. It's not just David and it's not just your friends. It's you. Nathan comes to him and says to him and tells him the story about a rich man who took a poor man's little, you little lamb, the word you little lamb. He said, you, you, and David says, that guy who took that poor man's, you little lamb must die. Nathan looks at him and says to him, you are that man. You are that man. I, I was your last son and I said to you, you're that man. It's not other people, it's you. We are not allowed and we are not called by God. Listen to me very carefully and hear me now. You are not allowed and you are not called by God to pass judgment. The, the devil himself is called the accuser of the brethren. That is not an office in Ephesians or in Romans or Galatians. It's not an office that you can ascend to to be called a judge in the church of Jesus Christ. We are all, every single one of you are, comes from this earth. When you die, we'll be at your funeral. We won't be all at your funeral, but some of us will be at your funeral. Is there anybody in the room that when you were a kid, you used to think, I wonder if people will show up. Who did that? wonder if people... All of us. Every now and then you have like an introvert that goes, I hope no one shows up. I just want to be alone. We'll use this verse to say, from dust you come and to dust you'll return. Do you know that you are made of the clay of this earth? And by virtue of being made of the clay of this earth, you have a sin nature. All of us, there is not one person who is not made of the dust of the earth. So your best Monday doesn't guarantee that you'll make it. Because your, your, your best Monday will be messed up by Monday evening. None of us. Now, it's so funny that we, we understand that there are different levels of sin. People think all sin is equal. All sin is not equal. There's sin unto death. There's sin against God. There's sin against the flesh. There's sin against your neighbor. There's different types of sin and different levels of sin. But, but nevertheless, what type of sin does God say? Because it, it, he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What type of sin do, does God say? Okay, but that type of sin is allowed in heaven. Or is all sin excluded from heaven? Do, do we think God is kind of nice? Or is God, is God just? Or is, does God have a gray area? That's... That's a better way of asking. Do you think God has a gray area? So the fight is not to disqualify people who does bad sin. Then at least, because if you, if you were a criminal, I don't know how many of you are criminals. That's different from being a sinner. We're all sinners, but we shouldn't be all be criminals. It's a grace area. If you were a criminal, you don't want to go to the same type of prison that murderers go to. If you're like, Stole a loaf of bread. 
You don't want to go to the same prison where a murderer goes to because that's not going to work. That's going to be a tough day in prison. Do we think heaven is like that? That God has a gray area that God allows low-level sins is fine because the little even leavens the lump, but like the first level of heaven can deal with gray-level sins. So no sin is allowed into heaven because there won't be any sin. So if sin disqualifies you, how do you point a finger at another person and say you are disqualified by your sin? We have a ton of gurus on Instagram and YouTube and not that you would waste your time watching Instagram reels all day long. But have you seen these gurus? The guy gets an AI voice to talk over his inspirational five points. Five points to get rich. See, I don't have that voice. Wilbur, just come and do that for us. <laughs> and they say, five toxic people you need to get out of your life. And they begin to talk and they say, get this person. Bishop Pitts made a similar video about this saying that this is stupid. If you, you keep on getting rid of people in your life, you're going to be very alone. Because every person that you're around is a person that has a sin nature. I told you the story out of uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 11, where David sees Uriah's wife taking a bath. David is the, is, is the great, 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 great grandfather of, of Jesus. The Bible in Matthew 1, I think, opening verse, just check it out, put it up there if you can, says there, there, that David, uh, Jesus is the son of David. Let's check it out, see if it does that. Because I think it starts with the genealogy in Matthew. The book of genealogies writes, the son of David. Jesus Christ, the son of David. He's not the direct son of David, but he comes from the lineage of David. So if you go through the genealogy where Jesus comes from, he is the son of David. So G Jesus, the son of David, David is the guy that killed Uriah. So that he can sleep with his wife. That's a nasty thing. Look at your friend. He'll kill you for your wife. <laughs> That's who would expect it from a guy sitting across the room. Now imagine that guy was David. And he was the king. And he was doing everything right. And then one day he writes a letter and says, take this to, uh, was it? Joab, take this letter to Joab. And in the letter is written, this guy carrying the letter, Uriah, put him in the front so that he dies. This is, that's a radical thing that David did. And David tries to hide it. So we catch up in 1 Samuel chapter 12. We're going to work this out. Where is 1 Samuel? Do I have 1 Samuel in this Bible? I don't think I have. I can't find Samuel. Just find Samuel for me, please. Go to 1 Samuel chapter number 12 on the screen. Um, the verse where, uh, go down to about verse 15. Let's see where that stops. See, you can't find it either. However, you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but you rebel against the commandment of the Lord. The hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. No, that's not the right one. Is it 2 Samuel? 2 Samuel. We're struggling. I'm coming. Yo. 
3 de Okay. Now, oh, my soul. Let's read from verses 13. Yes, it's a new Bible. That's why we can't find it. I know exactly where the old one where it is. 2 Samuel 12, verse 13. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sins. You shall not die. The Lord has put away your sins. You shall not die. David, if you read the story of David, David did quite a couple of things. David went into the temple and ate the bread, which he was not supposed to eat. David made a worship temple, a, a place where he could worship and dance before the altar of God. That's not what he's supposed to do. He wasn't qualified to do that. David did a lot of things. There was new covenantal type of relationship that he had with God. His wife said to him, how can a king behave that way? He said, I will become even more undignified before God. David had a very, very, very new covenantal revelation of God. That's why Psalms and everything is still relevant to us who stand under the new, not very relevant, absolutely relevant to us standing in the new covenant. So he says to him, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. This is exactly the substitute that Jesus does for you on the cross. Okay. He says, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme this child, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan disparted his house. He says, because you've given God's enemies reason to blaspheme the house of the Lord. You as a Christian have to understand that although God forgives you for your sin, the damage that your sin does to the house and the, the, the body of believers is the problem. The Bible says that a Christian should not even sue another Christian. That's not right. A Christian is not even supposed to sue another Christian because he says that's how the world resolves their problems. When we have an, why do we come to church? For a TED talk. You can get that on YouTube. Do we come for a motivational speech? You're in the wrong church for that. We come to church so that we can sort out our nonsense. So that when we step out of the church and the world looks at us, they see light. But what we do is we leave the church and we take our baggage to the world. And Monday at the office, we discuss it with a, with a, with a non-saved Christian. And we don't understand why they're not getting saved. They look at our bickering and our fighting and our inward issues. And they, give a, they can point a finger at the church. You know how many contractors we had to deal with in this building that all had this, this already set up in their mind that this is a church they, got, they must be very careful. That my fight was to explain to them that when we do business with you, we are one of the places that will absolutely make sure you get paid. Nathan says to him, because you've given the enemies of God occasion to blaspheme, this child whom you born shall surely die. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David and it, be and it became ill. Check that word out there. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David and it doesn't call it a child. Sometimes what you call a blessing, God calls an it. It's not the blessing that's, that's causing your life to derail. It's the it that you've produced out of sin. And that sin is not you sleeping with your neighbor's wife. That's a, that's a metaphor 
for you that has done deals that God said no to because sin is not you doing something wrong. It's you being disobedient. Saul lost the title of king because he was disobedient. He was a much nicer guy than David. He didn't sleep with anybody's wife. David slept with someone else's wife. God says your sin is forgiven. Saul just bought himself a, 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 a statue and God takes the kingship away from him because God says, I don't want sacrifice. I want obedience. And your disobedience is producing it in your life. And God says, this it must die. I for, I've forgiven you, but you and I and it is not moving forward. If you want me and you to move forward, this it has to get out of the picture. Sometimes God needs to get rid of the it. You, you may have friends in your life that you know are not godly relationships. There's a different thing between getting rid of people that are toxic and, and this person is not good enough. To, but I'm saying to you, there are still people in your life who are not Christian, but they give you more advice than you would get from a pastor or from a, from a Christian biblical perspective because you think their technical advice is what's going to get you to become successful. There are certain things that you need to get out of your life so that God can begin to speak to you. What are the voices that you listen to? What is the music that you listen to? What are the places that you hang out? We want to be, have God first. Am I telling you to live like a nun? No. That's not at all what God is expecting of you. But He is expecting if you say God is first and you want His voice and His authority and His power in your life, then you need to get rid of the it in your life that you produced out of the double life that you're living. Listen to me. I don't come to church. I've been, I've been saved for 26 years. I'm not doing this for dramatic effect. I'm not doing this to make new friends. I'm doing this because in this 26 years of life, I've been married to Chanel for 19. I've had children, I've had I've four children. I've gone through tremendous uphills and downhills in my life. Tremendous headwinds and support from the back. I've gone through every single thing. That, 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 that the general person can go through. There's a lot of things that we can go through in a single life in 26 years. I'm here to tell you that none of those things are fixed with a TED Talk video. Those things are fixed with a relationship with Jesus Christ. When I call him, I need him to hear me. And I've gone through seasons where I've prayed and I've hit a concrete ceiling and God doesn't respond. And I needed to find out what is the it in my life that God is causing God to not hear me because his attention is on the it first that needs to get out of my life. And if we want a church that just sings well and just lifts up hands well, and we think that this is going to get us to the place God wants us to be, you're sorely mistaken. We come to a place like this so that God can begin to speak to us, so that we can do proper introspection. And is my life holy before God? Is my God pleasing unto God? If he sees my life, does he say of me, well done? And if he doesn't, I want to be in a place where somebody has the guts to look me in the eye with love in his eyes and says, you need to stop this because then I have an accountability and there I can make changes that I need to make. Nathan says, this it has to die. The Lord struck the child and, and, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of the house arose around and went in to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat with them. And then on the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died and the seventh the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead. For everyone said, indeed, 
they tell they go through this whole story. When David saw that the servants were whispering, verse 19, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said in his, to his servant, is the child dead? And they said to him, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, and went in to the house of the Lord and worshiped there. This is not the same response that many of us has when God takes an it out of our lives. What if the boyfriend you are with is an it? How many of you after the boyfriend that God doesn't want in your life? I'm serious. There are, there are tons. Of, how many of you are not married yet? Put up your hands. Let's see. Okay, I'm talking to the right crowd. Do you think God doesn't care who you marry? Because the longest relationship you'll have with your entire life, the, the one that would outlast, the only relationship that will outlast that one that is marriage is you yourself, personal relationship. The only person you'll spend less time with than yourself is with your wife. Thereafter, it's, it's, it, or the most time with is your wife and you, the spouse, spends the most time in a lifetime together and then thereafter it's you. Not you and your friends, buddies, mothers, fathers, nothing. You and your wife. That relationship is the most, sometimes there is the wrong person next to you. That doesn't mean they're demons. It just means that devils come when you're together. <laughs> and sometimes God wants to take that out. How many of you, when God takes the it out of your life, do you wash your face, anoint yourself, and go to the house of God and worship? Some of us don't do that. What we do is we get upset, we find another church, and we stay away for six months because we're upset with God. Because he's really interested in your opinion. He's going to make super many adjustments in the kingdom because it's a democracy. David knows the heart of God. He says, God can't be wrong, it must be me. He washes his face, he anoints himself, and he immediately goes to the house of God to worship. This is before he, went, he goes and eats. After this, he goes and he eats. Now God, here, this is where I wanted to get to, because I wanted to say a couple of more things. Watch this. Um, David arose from the ground, washed his, anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he went to the house of the Lord. There's another thing, change your clothes. Some, of, some people, Ask, why am I stuck like this? The first start is not even prayer. It's just change the way you dress. Just say, change the way you dress yourself. If you only wear, and I like black jeans. I've normally got black jeans on, a black t-shirt. I like black. So I'm not saying when you wear black, you're a Satanist. But if the only thing you always wear is black, and, and, and you've got everything about you has to be black. And if you could make up, put makeup on and it could be black too, you would have done that too. Sometimes you need to just change your clothing so that you fix yourself. If you don't ever wash your hair, maybe just wash your hair once. There's a lot of advice coming from a church. I thought church was about Jesus. Yes, it's about Jesus, the way we represent him. If your hairs are hanging, you, your hair is touching the ground and it's dirty, it means you shouldn't have long hair. Not if, I can so deep for 
swim. Before Joseph went to see the king, Pharaoh, they changed his clothes. Before David went to worship, he changed his clothes. Sometimes your clothes represents where you come from. Don't stay the same, dressed in the, God says, even in Christianity and your spirituality, put off the old self, put on the new self. And when David followed the protocol, he said, I am guilty before God. The child died. He washed his face, he anointed himself, he changed his clothes, and he went to the house of God and worshiped. What is worship? Worship is sacrifice. We mistake worship with singing. We think that singing should be fun. It's not always fun, it's sacrifice. That's why David under duress and the loss of a child could stand in a church and worship, at the house of God and worship, because it was a sacrifice. Although I don't feel like worshiping, I'm gonna lift up my hands and say that you are still God. Although my world around me may be crumbling and falling apart as you are dealing with it's that I've produced, I will still worship you. You are still my God. Although this month is not working out in my finances, I will still worship you. You are still my God. And when he made that decision, check what God does back to David. We're in verse 22, 21. Then the servant said to him, what is this that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, while the child was alive, I, I fasted and wept. That's not where I want to be. Verse 24. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, went into her and lay with her, and she, so she bore him a son. And he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. And so the word by the hand of Nathan the prophet, so he sent word, the Lord loved him. Is that on the screen? Leave it on the screen. So the Lord loved now the lord loved him next verse and he sent word by the hand of nathan nathan is the one that said to david you are that man god takes to the king a man god doesn't speak to david himself david spoke to god often himself here god uses a man this man comes to david says this is what god now this man of god comes back says and he called the name jedidiah i think that's how he pronounce it jedidiah because of the Lord. Now, do you know what Jedidiah means? Do you know what the word David means? The word David means beloved. David is the beloved of God. That's what his name means. Do you know what Jedidiah means? Beloved of the Lord. So the first child in sin dies, but when he turns back to God and he repents of his sin, God produces offspring in his life, a child called Solomon, on who the kingship of Israel rested, who is in the same lineage as Jesus. The same relationship that was in sin, God sanctified, God healed it, God restored it, and out of that God produces offspring. The first offspring was his in sin, the next offspring was his in righteousness. And God calls that offspring, that child, Beloved of the Lord. When you have God in your life, what you produce in your life, be it financial or business success, let God smile over that and say, I love that. Let God smile over your success and that which he produces from your life and say, I am pleased with that. It is possible to succeed and be successful in your career, your family, your marriage, your children, and God smile on it. I wonder if we were to take our life's work and hold it up before God, because God says everything will be tested by fire. How much of it's going to burn? And how much of it's gold?
that comes from the hand of God. And I'm concerned that much of, much of our lives might not be as substantial as we think it is. Does that make sense? 